Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day. What's up, Chicago? I'm Erin Allen, and this is The Rundown. Back in the 80s, a Chicagoan named Carlos Tortolero was working as a history teacher in Chicago public schools. And he'd been really intentional about including BIPOC stories in his curriculum, where they were otherwise absent or very much abbreviated. It's, it's not rewriting history. It's on history correctly for the first time. Around 1982, he decided he wanted to get at that a little differently outside of the school system. So he got together with a group of five people who were connected to the school that he taught at. Uh, I said, you know, let's start the museum. I was crazy. That was crazy for a handful of folks who had never done anything like this before. But there's something about going in without expectations that can really feed innovation. These folks ended up laying the foundation for what would become a world-renowned cultural center. From 82 to 87, we had no home. Just a P.O. box, right? And in 1987, the National Museum of Mexican Art opened its doors in Pilsen. Then Mayor Harold Washington attended the opening, and the museum has been in that same building ever since. It's a pretty special place that exposes visitors to artists who live in Mexico and Mexican and Mexican-American artists in the U.S. We represent a culture without borders. Both sides of the border are equal. So, you know, a Mexican in Chicago is as Mexican as someone born in Mexico City. Carlos has served for decades as the founder, president, and CEO of the museum, and he's retiring at the end of this year. So I wanted to take this opportunity to sit down with him and reflect on the past 40-plus years of running this cultural institution. We started by talking about where he got his love of art. You know, when I was a kid, all museums were free in Chicago. People don't remember those days, but they were all free. So my parents took us to museums. If museums cost as much today as they did back then, I wouldn't have gone to museums. No way my family could afford taking, you know, there was four kids, two adults, that's six people. No way would have gone to museums. And, and you know, and free days usually happen in the middle of the week. My parents are working, so they're not going to take off work to take me. Mm-hmm. So we went to all the museums. Always had a high interest in culture. Uh, the Mexican culture, so vibrant, so rich. It was always super important to me. When I became uh, your history teacher, I said, you can't teach history without talking about art, though people do. And, and, and I think you can't teach art without talking about history. I think they both are so intertwined. Yeah. The museum is in Pilsen. And Pilsen is a place that has changed quite a bit yes, over the last has. 36 years <laughs> since, since the doors opened there. Um, even in the last 10 years, it has changed. I lived in Pilsen 10 years ago. I'm back in Pilsen now. It's different. Um, how has the museum interacted with those changes? It's important for people to realize that we selected Pilsen. You know, it's not like we wanted to be downtown. There was no building. We wanted to be in Pilsen. Pilsen is not the oldest Mexican community. It's not the largest. It's the one with more social activism. There are so many non-for-profits that deal with social justice issues. We know we have to be here. Mm. Uh, yes, and they would change in dramatically. There's no if and ands about it. But I always tell people, if every person who was Mexicano left, we're still staying there because it's like holy ground. It's like sacred ground. Pilsen. We're not going to go anywhere. 
Because we get people from all over the place. We get people from across the street, all over the city, across the country, across the world we get people. So it's a perfect place to be. You know, I did get upset when uh, Time Out Chicago and Forbes named Pilsen one of the 10, you know, you know, coolest neighborhoods in the world. And this is after the neighborhood began to change, you know, and always being gentrified. It was cool before we were gentrified. Okay? <laughs> so, you know, those kind, of things, so those kind of things we're always fighting about, you know. And who makes these decisions? That's always the key. You know, one of the things that we've always thought to be was be one of the cultural gatekeepers, not to be the cultural gatekeeper. We need to help determine what is good art, who is a good artist. You know, you know, we don't decide these issues. And that's mm-hmm. unfortunate, you know. But, you know, when I was a kid, I was always reading. And, you know, I would read some stuff and I told my mother, how come we're not in here? Mm. It's slapping you in the face. It's so obvious. It's like, you know, they said, you don't want to dominate. We want to be part of the family here. See, these are things that Hollywood's done to us. And the thing about the, the importance of the museum is it preserves and conserves the culture of Mexico, but it also teaches everyone, you know, this is this is what Mexican culture is. This is our story. And, you know, we don't just say good things about Mexico. You, no. you have to say the good and the bad yeah, of everything. Yeah, it's the truth. Yeah, yeah, the truth. And and you want to say it not because you're being bad to Mexico. On the opposite, you're saying because you love Mexico, you want Mexico to change. I know um, over the years, people have tried to get the museum moved downtown. I mean, you know, downtown has this whole theater district. Um, you know, I, I wonder how you think about accessibility when you think about the museum and, and making sure that, you know, people can come and and enjoy it without having to deal with stuff like $60 for parking. You know, back in the day when we started the museum, I can't tell you before even, I can tell you how many arts people, which really blew me away because I, I was an arts person hangout. You know, I didn't know a lot of arts people. I know more education people. And um they would say, you can't do a museum in a working class neighborhood. You can't do an art museum working class neighborhood and you can't be free. And I would say, wait a minute, aren't you guys the dreamers? But you're the ones who dream and make things happen. Mm-hmm. And um, we're still free after all these years. In fact, we're open more hours than the Chicago is now. How's that for <laughs> a change? <laughs> to me, being accessible, you know, wow. I remember museums were free. And I, I know for a fact if. If my parents had to pay, we would not have been to all these museums. And so uh, accessibility is key. You know, I love when kids come after school and just walk into the museum. I love that. Yes. It's like a library. Yeah. Yeah. And people say it has to be worth something. Uh, You have to pay something to appreciate it. Libraries are free. That's right. Parks are free. There's a lot of things in life that are free. High quality and free. Yeah. In fact, I tell people the best musical performance in this city is every week all over the city of Chicago in black churches. The music mm. is unbelievable and it's free <laughs> and it's free. So you don't have to pay. Yes. And people are volunteering in there. OK, right. they're making so, that amazing music and they're also not being paid. Yeah, a lot yeah, of them. So I, I just think it's just changing this whole perception. And and I tell people, you know, why does everything have to be downtown? Every study that looks at communities will say that culture is a major part of having that community be a healthy community. Mm -hmm. You know, it's part of it. You know, experiencing life, I think it's very, very important. Why do I have to go downtown and pay $52 a park? Why not to do it here? And, you know, sometimes you get people who who should know better. 
who tell me, you know, it's a great place, but you should be downtown. I tell them, you know, I can't explain to you why we're here because you obviously don't understand that. <laughs> and I don't think I'm going to make you understand if I stood there all day. Yeah, but we're not going to fight that making, battle. We're going to choose something yeah, else. Yeah, It's about making the culture field fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the pandemic really hit a lot of arts institutions super hard. And I think about the pandemic, yes, but also just these past few years. Tell me, has the fallout from the pandemic affected how you think about or have thought about running a museum? You know, the pandemic was super interesting. You know, the Mexican community was hit the hardest. Our Blacks died in the highest numbers, but I saw that the Mexican community was hardest hit because they have a multi-generational. Mm. You've got like my house. At one time, it was my mother, father, and grandmother downstairs, my wife and the kids upstairs, four generations. So that's very common in the Mexican community. And wow. if somebody brought COVID in, yeah. it seems like everybody got COVID. So it was it was hard. You know, but you know, there's some things that happen sometimes that make me feel like the museum, you know, it was fate that it had to happen. There was a destiny to it beyond Carlos Tortoleto. Because things have happened. And one of them is, you know, Mackenzie Scott dropped $8 million on us. The Ford Foundation dropped $3.6 million out of nowhere. And the Ford Foundation is really funny what happened because I'm actually walking my dog in the park, right? And she does her number, right? And I'm talking to the Ford Foundation person. And she says, she says to me, Ford has named you one of America's, you know, cultural uh, treasures. I go, oh, that's nice. Wait, I'm not finished. <laughs> and as I scoop up my dog's, you know, poo-poo here, uh. you know, she tells me, you're getting $3.6 million. So I'm holding my dog's poo-poo. You're holding your dog's treasure. And, and you I'm are. Saying, oh, my God, three, that's pretty good. Oh, and I you're a national it. treasure. <laughs> So those kind of experiences ground you in reality. You know? Wow. Well, they put your ego in check. You yes. Know, about yes. what's real with realism. I mean, pick, picking up after your dog will always humble you. Okay. <laughs> that is one of the things. Yeah. So we fared a lot, but a lot, a lot of people were hurt. A lot of people lost their jobs. A lot of good arts people lost their jobs. That's super unfortunate. Someone who really loves their, you know, their job and everything. And now they've lost it. That is, that's super sad when it happens. So we've been fortunate. At the same time, too, people of color do not get their fair share. You know, Steppenwolf, uh, they announced they lit off, I think, 18 people or 12 people. Yes. That is more people, that is more people than Latino theater groups in Chicago employ. A lot of groups still do not get their fair share. You said that with with the endowment and, and with all of the work that you've done so far, that you're hoping that this this museum goes on for, for a long, long, a lot more years. Um, and, you know, that that includes going on without you. You're, you're going to be retiring. What what lets you know that it was time to leave? Let me tell you what's interesting. You know, I'm going to be, you know, 70 years old in March. People say, hey, man, you look good for your age. Talk to my body, okay? <laughs> Don't talk to Carlos. Talk. Tell my, my body to act right. <laughs> yeah. No, but, you know, as a former teacher, I have mm-hmm. always been proud when I hear a good story about one of my ex-students, you know? 
as a parent, you want your kid to do their best. Now I'm a grandparent, you know? So the museum too, I, I have an ego. I mean, I want you to say nice things about me, but I would be prouder if five years from now, you have the new director of the museum on your program, somewhere, maybe here, somewhere else, and you tell them, you tell them, well, that Carlos was pretty good, man, but you're amazing. I would not be jealous. I'll be happy. That means the museum, the Mexican culture comes first, not Carlos Tortoledo. My job is to try to promote the Mexican culture. And if the person comes afterwards is better than me, hallelujah, I'm happy. Yeah. Uh, we're doing so well. I always say comparison, I'm a baseball freak. You know, there are baseball players way past their prime and still playing. You know, it's time to go. You know, fans start to boo you. I've had a long run. Right now, the museum's in great shape. It's the perfect time to leave. I'm, I'm very, you know, we have a great staff. We have a great board. This is not a one-person thing. Anybody who thinks so is crazy. You know, I love this job, but it's, it takes a lot, a lot of work. And, I, you know, I want to write. I want to consult. And I have a two-and-a-half-year-old grandson. And, Aww. you know, I got three kids. But there's someone being a grandparent that is life-affirming. It just, huh. it is... You just look at that little kid and say, man, you're here because of me. You know that? <laughs> you know that? We're related, man. <laughs> you're, you're, I'm you and you're me. Do you realize that? Yes. And he does look like me, which makes it really even better. <laughs> he does look like me. So, uh, no, it's 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 time. And, you know, when I was younger, I, you know, I was teaching the daytime. I taught night school. You're running around. You know, I spend as much time as I, do, I could with my kids. But now with grandkids, it's it's a different feeling. And, you know, I want to be around firm. I hope to see them become 18 years old. I, I hope I live long enough to see them become 18 years old. That would make me very, very happy. Yeah. Um, so you're ready to pass the baton. I'm wondering uh, what, what, looking back, are you most proud of? You know, we've gotten a lot of awards at the museum. I have won a lot of awards, right? And... But, you know, that's what I remember. What I remember is the stories of the people. Like, uh, there was this guy right before COVID who was with his son. And he gives his son a dollar to put a donation box. You know, we do have donation boxes. People give or not give. It's up to them. And the son tells his father, wait, but you told me the museum's free. And he goes, yeah, we have to keep it free. <laughs> now, you know, the McKenzie's got $8 million. I'm very appreciative. Don't get me wrong. But that dollar, it means a lot. Carlos Tortolero is the founder, president, and CEO of the National Museum of Mexican Art. Carlos, thank you. It's been an honor. Otman, thank you. You're a great interviewer. I really enjoyed this. Thank you. Be good. Be good. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Take care. Carlos is retiring at the end of this year, but don't worry, the museum is not going anywhere. You can learn more at nationalmuseumofmexicanart.org. And that's it for today. Thank you to Justin Bull and Sarah Stark for producing The Rundown and to Ariel Van Clee for editing the show. Brennan Banizak is our executive producer and our theme music is by Louis Weeks. The Rundown is produced by WBEZ Chicago and is a part of the NPR Network. If you loved this episode, please tell us about it. Rate the show, review us. It helps more people find the show. I'm Erin Allen. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you later.